the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host and very excited about the conversation that I'm going to share with you today. Uh, I, I'll say this, for those of you that listen to this show regularly, that know a little bit about me, uh, this is uh, maybe an unlikely conversation or would have been a few years ago, perhaps. But man, what an important conversation when we talk about what it means to be an American. When we talk about what it means to understand freedom, uh, whether that is freedom as a nation, as Americans, or freedom individually, civil liberties and civil rights, and all these things we talk about Uh, We have come to a place in our country where talking about them is not something we do anymore. (laughs) We find our group of people who agree 100% with everything we believe, and we talk to them, and then we cast dispersion toward anyone outside of that circle. We have lost the ability to have discussions. We've lost the ability to uh, look at the evidence and weigh that evidence and apply that evidence to what we conclude is truth. We've lost it in so many ways. And it's important for us as humans, not just as Americans, but as humans, to be able to have reasonable dialogue on issues where we may disagree with others. It's amazing when we really start to at least attempt to understand where people are coming from, that is, listening more than we're talking, we realize that in many, many cases, I would say most cases, we agree on far more than we disagree on. Now, we may disagree on fundamental issues, and and so often that's the case. Um, Our guest today is someone that on a few fundamental issues we would completely disagree, uh, although uh, we would be closer in a lot of other areas than you might think or one might think. And it's important that we find that. We can move forward. We can uh, make progress. We can, again, as our guest today will help us to understand and illuminates as she describes this, uh, we can move from where we've been in the last couple of years and the tyranny that we've experienced. Uh, We can move forward, but Uh, Again, as she mentioned, it's a generational effort. It's something that all of us need to stand up and be willing to push forward toward, really, for the generation coming behind us. And uh, I'm so thankful for her insights. I'm thankful for even her willingness to um, pay the price that she's had to pay for her positions. My guest today is Dr. Naomi Wolf. My guest today is Dr. Naomi Wolf. Very, very excited to have her. Um, I have been looking forward to this interview for a while. She is, if you're not familiar, best-selling author of The Beauty Myth and many other books dealing with issues of women's issues, uh, civil rights, civil liberties. She has been a political consultant to Bill Clinton and Al Gore and many others. I'm going to let her tell her story. Her new book is The Bodies of Others, The Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the Human. Uh, Naomi, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Really, really appreciate even your willingness to sit down and talk to us. 
Jeremy, it's it's very exciting for me to talk to you and your audience. Thank you. You have um, a fascinating background. I'm sure you're told that often, um, but you've also taken a fascinating journey, I think, from where a lot of people would know you from, uh, going back to the beauty myth and many of the other, your early works and your early work, to where you are now and what you're talking about now. And uh, I'd love to kind of walk through a lot of that journey, but maybe you can just start for our audience by telling your story, Um, you know, kind of where you came from, how you grew up, and why the things that are important to you are important to you. What built that into you? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I grew up in San Francisco, um, which was the most kind of wonderful place to grow up in the 60s and 70s when I was a child and a teenager, um, because it was very utopian and very idealistic. Mm, Yeah. I, you know, I know it's seen as kind of a hotbed of, of liberalism from the conservative side, but it was the best of liberalism. I would say it was, you know, free speech and, you know, the excitement of various cultures and a really strong civic engagement ethos. And I, I'm the granddaughter of a woman who lost nine brothers and sisters in the Holocaust wow. and the daughter wow. of, uh, you know, a, an immigrant and the granddaughter of immigrants. And so I always was aware and they were fleeing, you know, the Tsar's Russia and they were fleeing the Nazis. I'm Jewish. So, you know, everyone, you know, we're always fleeing. (laughs) Running from something all the time. Yes, exactly. And so I, I would, you know, my grandma (laughs) Faye especially really kind of foregrounded the importance of how America's freedom protected us and how Mm. we had to protect America's freedom. Um, to protect everyone and you couldn't ever kind of slouch about that because right. things could go bad overnight or in six months um as we you know as we saw in europe in the 30s and 40s so uh i guess i you know went to public schools and then went to yale and then was a Rhodes scholar and went to oxford i'm not going to go through every single thing i ever did except sure. to say that i think what you're especially interested in is um I've always been identified at, as on the left, and I've always identified myself as on the left. And I have advised these two Democratic, you know, president and vice presidents, presidential campaigns. Um, but I think what's happening now that you may be referencing is that I've written this book, The Bodies of Others, about the assaults on liberty in the last two years under this administration, but also globally under, you know, left wing leaders and right wing leaders. And, you know, the case I make in the book is that. It, the last two years that pandemic has been a pretext for um, a, a handful of global bad actors who transcend left or right, right? World yeah. Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, China, mm. um, to and tech companies to, to exert a power grab uh, against the human race and basically to create a post-humane society in which we need to ask permission of technology to be human and in which our Western values have been targeted and dissolved. Our, our families have been targeted and dissolved. And especially America and its children have been targeted and changed irrevocably. So I guess to, to wrap up my journey in the last two years, yeah. is that I began criticizing the pandemic narrative using the same journalistic ethics I've used and been celebrated and hired for by every legacy media platform in the West for yeah. the last 30 years. But once I began criticizing this COVID narrative, I was deplatformed, I was shunned, I was smeared by the same people I'd always worked with yeah. and my, my tribe of liberals. And the only people who talk to me now are conservatives and libertarians yeah. and, and disaffected liberals. So 
I don't feel like I've changed, right? I, I've, I've stood up for exactly the same constitutional values my whole right. career, but the world has changed, especially yeah. in the last few years. We are at a, at a crazy moment in time, historically, where there's left and right. So there is, you're either conservative or you're liberal. And reading through a lot of your work and your history and reading some of your articles and some of your previous positions and your current position, it struck me that, as you just mentioned, I don't know you, this is the first time we've talked, but it doesn't seem to me like you have changed. It seems to me like what you are is a classic liberal that understands the value of freedom and individual liberty, that that's what you've championed, and, and what you're doing now is exactly the same thing. But a lot of people don't understand the difference between conservatism and what we would call liberalism. Right now, it's left and right. It's radical left and radical right. Can you kind of build out what it means to you to be liberal? Because I think that's very important for people to understand. Well, these are very essential questions. Um, I just want to preface them by saying I do overall feel like we're in a moment historically, and I hope readers of The Bodies of Others will be persuaded of this because it's important, when labels are really meaningless. Like I'll dive into this question. But above all, you know, what I'm seeing is a massive realignment around the world um, that that dissolves left and right in, in the interest of, you know, freedom versus tyranny. You know, it's, it's like not, it's not this and this, it's, it's, it's yeah, these people to right. oppress us and, and enslave us. And we've got to join forces to protect human, human freedoms. But, but I'll speak to what you're saying because hopefully, you know, we'll get our pre 2020 world back if we all, you know, join up in as peaceful warriors immediately to do yeah. that. And, and then these these conversations will be meaningful because we do need to clean house and both sides need to clean house. Um, so to me, a liberal is, a, you know, classical liberalism is like John Stuart Mill, right? Or Mary Wollstonecraft. Um, it's the enlightenment. It's values of reason, um, humanism, meaning not anti-theism, but mm. Um, respect for all religions, which is how our country was founded, right. right? It wasn't, we don't have an established religion, which is important, but but we are predicated on respect for God. It's in our founding documents and, and individual conscience, which mm. is so important. Um, whether you're Quaker or Muslim or Jewish or, you know, fundamentalist, we're supposed to respect each other. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, free speech, freedoms of speech, the utter importance of First Amendment rights uh, to free speech, and not just in America, but around the world. It's um, equality. I mean, I know conservative audiences sometimes say, well, you're a feminist. You can't, you know, we can't agree with you. Yeah, right. But, but I think there's, you know, there's been bad iterations of feminism, just like there's been bad iterations of the left. And to me, feminism just means you extend human rights and liberties to half the population, you know, and to everyone, regardless of you know, race or gender, we're all, you know, human beings with inalienable rights. Um, Gosh, liberalism believes in, um, well, the strength of the, of the press, the first, you know, first amendment debate and, and, you know, reason and first amendment debate really go together, right? You have to, you have to have a good education of the citizenry in order to have good arguments that lead to good policies. Um, I think I've kind of run out of the core tenets of liberalism. They're not very complicated. I mean, the other thing about liberalism is that it, you know, it's, it believes in a representative democracy yeah. with a parliament or a Congress um, in which citizens get to 
tell their elected officials what to do. And the other aspect of classical liberalism that is not being discussed nearly enough right now, and I've got a chapter on it in the bodies of others, is the nation state. You know, we believe in a, a, a secular nation state, we, you know, not monarchs. I mean, classical liberalism came out of Europe, uh, especially in the uh, 1848 years when all of these nations wow. in Europe were in rebellion against monarchies or princes, um, you know, or, or the Pope, you know, to create secular, um, secular democracies. And again, that doesn't mean no religion. It means protecting religion, protecting religious minorities like Jews in Europe. Right. And, 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 but also like establishing parliaments instead of monarchies in which ordinary citizens, middle-class citizens, and eventually working class citizens and everyone had a say. Um, and, so that's like basically liberalism in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Who, can, who, who can say it's bad, right? Right. It's funny to hear you you talk about that. I'm as conservative as a person can po- possibly be, I think, right? My mind and my heart. But um, I don't disagree with anything you you just said. That's you know to me that's what it is to be an American. What you just described. Right. Yeah. And I mean, by the same token, when people who are conservative describe what conservatism means, until they get to something around. Um, establishment of religion, one religion, or something that I would consider kind of homophobic. Um, I'm, you know, there's no, no right. disagreement from me. I mean, what, so there's this candidate for governor, sadly, she did not become governor of California, but she's really interesting. She's starting a, a movement for people like us, yeah, you know, who, sure. who, who have more in common than, you know, don't feel represented sure. by parties. And I, mean, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but I, I think there's a huge number of people who want to just solve problems and not right. get bogged down right. in gatekeepers. And she said, she's been traveling up and down California, speaking to people from all walks of life. And she said that 80% of the voters agree on 80% of the right. issues. And right. I definitely want to add to the riff I just gave you that I've been kind of a talking head in media and politics for 35 years and for sure each side is being side is being told lies about the other mm. and it you know by the media and yeah. and this has gotten worse with the internet because yeah. the algorithms yeah. amplify the lies and the bots and the trolls so i really do believe you know most of the liberals i know are left-wing people i know now literally don't know any any conservatives and they're right. mad at me for even speaking to conservatives. <laughs> right Every time I, I talk to tucker carlson they're like how can you do that right sure but it means that they have no, they have such an, a caricatured idea of what conservatives are. And by the same token, when I talk to conservatives, yeah. they often yeah. have a caricatured idea of what yeah. left lefties are. That said, the left is in a state of caricature right now. So there's... As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of my slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the my slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 870 0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com.
Coming from what you just described, how did the left enter this state of caricature? How, how did the left become so radicalized towards things like, I, I mean, the, the issue that all of us are dealing with right now, whether we're dealing with it or not, it's in front of us, is the gender issue. Um, you know, from an acceptance of homosexuality and homosexual marriage to uh, discussions around transgenderism and what that means and is it acceptable, and then taking a step beyond that, it's it's no longer a question of, is it okay? Are you willing to acknowledge that in society? It, it's become extremely militant, extremely aggressive, and uh, really an attempt to shut down anyone with an opposing idea, which to me flies in the face of the liberalism that you just described. How, how, how have we gotten to this place? Gosh, G- Jeremy, such an important question. Um, I will tell you my views because they're, I mean, this, this is like, once we deal with the attack on humanity issues, this is at the top of the list of, yeah. of things to fix. Um, so I think you answered the question with the last thing you said, meaning that um, the really notable difference I found uh, between the liberal left world that has ejected me, hopefully temporarily, because I miss people and mm, yeah. sad when we talk to half yeah. the world. Um, <laughs> you know, at the same time, I'm never going to want to abandon my conservative friends and communities. Um, but a really big difference, even not at the crazy, crazy margins, is that I was very surprised to find how much conservatives were willing to have a discussion and say things like, I don't agree with you, but I'm glad to talk to you, mm. or I don't agree with you, but it's great to have a civil, you know, debate or discussion. Right. Um, and, and literally, I mean, I remember going to AIER as a fellow and Jeffrey Tucker, uh, the well-known um, libertarian essayist, economist, uh, was ahead of AIER at the American Institute of Economic Research. And he tapped me and I'm like left wing, you know, yeah. was at the time. And, I went in and I didn't agree at that time with, you know, free market forces. I thought they were all funded by the Koch brothers and terrible and, right, you know, the right. devil. And, um, and, and I, I remember like when someone asked me a question about free markets, I was like, well, I actually really believe in the welfare state. And I thought I'd be shut down. And for the first time, like in my, you know, in 35 years, um, I had the experience of, of people just exchanging views without trying to change me. And, or shame me. And yeah. I guess where I'm going with that is the left has really gotten into a very toxic um, space. And I'll talk to where, how they got manipulated in a minute, but in which if you have a different opinion, or if you even want to have a reasoned discussion, like to me, it's very reasonable to say, I support gay marriage. I'm a big supporter of people's rights to identify however they want. Sure. However, um, most trans parents or LGBTQ parents don't want the schools intruding on children's right. psychosexual right. development. Sure. That's a family issue. Sure. Right? That's an interesting, reasonable discussion to have. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'm pro-choice, but I believe that it's reasonable to rethink Roe v. Wade because, um, you know, that was argued on, on, uh, a notion of pregnancy that we understand now from sonograms is out of date. Like there's all kinds of important discussions to be had, right? If the difference is among conservatives, you can talk to people I found about your various views and they, they're not so threatened if you right. they don't agree with you, right. but, but liberals, if you, there's become such an orthodoxy that if you 
if you deviate a little bit, people will call you names, you know, homophobe, transphobe, racist, sexist, and, 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 and then cancel you and exclude you. And then, you know, shut you out of what I've experienced, shut you out of professional opportunities, shut you out of faculties, you know, stop inviting you to galas. And, and it's take gone one step further. And the people who did this are brilliant. They're, is there's been a, like a criminalization of discourse so that, as I mentioned earlier, if you even talk to people who don't agree with you or you go to a protest, mm-hmm. you know, where pe- people like if you go to a po- protest of 10 million people or 10,000, that's unrealistic, t- you know, 100,000 people. Like I wanted to go to the truckers rally. I went to the truckers rally. Yeah. There was one person holding up a kind of racist sign. Right. I don't agree with racism. I would talk to that person and say, that's racist. I don't agree with it. But but what happens is the media will take that picture. And yeah. then if you've gone to that rally to support truckers who have nothing to do with racism, you're a racist, right? And, and it's just like this um, guilt by association all the way down the line. So people on the left are just yeah. absolutely terrified. Yeah. And, and then the the machine of the left keeps spitting out narrower and narrower and narrower orthodoxies you have to stick to in order to be safe that then become completely ridiculous. And, and then the right caricatures, like the right media caricatures this. So literally a lot of conservatives think liberals don't know what a woman is. Well, you know, liberals know what a woman is. (laughs) We have a nuanced view of that. Um, but, but, uh, but it's so scary to, to say, well, you know, maybe there is a way to protect women's sports that doesn't discriminate against trans yep. athletes, right? You're not even allowed to say that without getting deplatformed as a transphobe. So, um, and again, I want to stress, I really support trans rights, but I can literally see that there's a case to be made for a third category if you want to identify sure. as non- non-binary or whatever. Um, now I want to wrap that up by saying, see, the trouble is you're, you're listening and... <laughs> I want to talk about this, so um, you, you'll have to stop me. But I, I don't uh, want to stop you. And I'll tell you why, because it, you're reasonable. And it, so my my positions on things like abortion and, and a lot of these other issues that you and I would disagree on <laughs> um, are, are very firm. But to be able to have a conversation with someone who says, you know, there's some area in here where I'm not going to say it's this or this. It's left or right. I have a 22-year-old daughter. And um, she was raised in a Christian home, very conservative home. I served in the Marine Corps, so it's a, it's a very conservative in, in that way. And she's as, as much a feminist <laughs> as anyone I've ever met in, in the sense that she is driven. She believes I can accomplish things. People have gone before me that have opened these doors. I want that for her. But what I don't understand is why other people who would identify as feminists, as you just described are unwilling to stand up against the machine and say, look, we fought for so long for the rights of people that didn't have them, and now that's been taken away, and we're just not going to talk about it. So to me, what you're saying is very, very important, and I'm, I'm very happy to listen to it. Well, thank you. And, you know, good for your daughter for feeling comfortable to, you know, to, you know, to be a feminist in any way she wants that aligns with her belief system. You know, I wrote a book at, you know, in the early 90s warning feminists that if they created a checklist that was liberal and said, you have to be pro-choice. You have to be against yeah. guns or a vegetarian in order to be a feminist. A, they lose the moral high ground. Yeah. It's not in- internally consistent and B, they're going to lose half the population. Right. And absolutely someone in my view can be like some of the most interesting feminists I know are pro-choice feminists. 
um, Feminists for Life is like the most interesting group I know because they're really motivated by caring about women and children, which you're supposed to do as a feminist. Um, and and their their view is that abortion is the ultimate oppression of women, mm. which is so interesting. And yeah. I, I literally see what they mean after yeah. they talk me through it. Yeah. Um, if we lived in a truly pro-woman world, there would be so little demand for abortion. Mm. Women wouldn't yeah. choose abortion yeah. overwhelmingly. And that, you know, that's an important conversation. I was just going to say that um, the, the rigidity also I am now firmly persuaded has been manipulated. And what I mean is, and I go into this in my book, The Bodies of Others, China has absolutely been trying for the last 35 years to infiltrate the American left and the left throughout Western Europe. And they've been very successful. Um, they've And right now they are pouring money especially via partners like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and news outlets bought up by the Bill and Melinda Gates yeah. Foundation, like, you know, NPR and The Guardian and the BBC, yeah. um, which I document in my book. But they they create memes, you know, and they influence our social media. For instance, early in the pandemic, I kept seeing this meme, humans are the virus or freedom, D-U-M-B, like making fun of freedom because they're redefining freedom as um, selfish, yeah. right? And then the introduction of all these Marxist ideas, which are so prevalent now on the left and and relate to the subject of my book around, you know, people insisting on masking each other, people insisting on injecting each other, the, the idea that you have to sacrifice your own choices for the collective, thoroughly Marxist idea mm. and thoroughly Marxist outcome, yep. preparing us to accept, and especially our kids, to be ready for a global, you know, quasi oligarchical Marxism policed by big tech, you know, managed by the World Economic Forum. That's that's the goal. And so I definitely see um, very uh, militant um, discussions recognizably coming from Chinese communist influence on Western liberalism and, and leftism. Um, it, for example, the, you know, the, I've seen two bills. I can't even believe them. I cannot believe them, but they, you know, I, I've, I, I've seen them. My associate editor wrote about them. She linked the bills. They're real. One is in, um, I believe, Del Delaware, and one is in Washington state that would allow newborn babies to be uh, what uh, murdered essentially yeah. by manslaughter yep. after yep. they're born yep. for a month after they're born. And this is not an American value. It's right. not even American pro-choice value. Right. This is a right. CCP level of, right. you know, train people to not respect human life. Right. Um, and I see that everywhere. And then if you're pro-choice, you have to say right on, you know, yeah, like right, right. woman's body, woman's right. And I'm like, this is out, straight up Mengele, you know, legislation. So we're seeing a lot of Chinese influence on how the left conducts itself culturally. You have um, paid a price professionally, as you mentioned, and uh, it's so funny to me that you're not on Twitter because they won't let you be on Twitter, right, or whatever. I mean, some of these things are just funny to me. It, it's kind of upside-down world. Um, I know it's not funny to you. It's just so odd. But you've paid a price for it, and yet you still wrote this this book, which is very timely and very important. Um I'm sure there was a process for you to go through. Maybe it was you and your husband sitting down and talking through that, or maybe it was you just working with, you know, other counselors, people that you, you trust. 
What, what does that process look like where you go, this is going to cost me, but I'm going to do it anyhow? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, well, I'm very lucky in my marriage because I married, um, I married a veteran. Yeah, and I married, uh, yes, yeah. and married someone who spent 12 years in military intelligence. Wow. So is very, wow. um, very deeply knowledgeable about geopolitics and um and also someone who's very brave i mean he he was embedded with um special forces wow. you know in yeah. tough places around yeah, the world wow. and, and has you know been in horrible situations and survived them and he's just a very brave person i mention this because he and i both understand what war looks like mm. you know he understands it literally and yeah. i i understand it culturally sure um so I guess where I'm going with that is that, and by the way, I I met him because I was getting death threats um, when I was writing about uh, the human rights of people in Gaza and and just literally saying both sides shouldn't bomb civilians, right? Like something. What a a revolutionary thought, right? Yeah. But um, so he's a a security consultant. He was protecting me and Mm. then, you know, we were very appropriate and then we, you know, fell in love and yes. got married. I guess where I'm going with this is that um, he and I both realized, and I write about this in the book on about March 8th, that uh, we were at war mm. uh, of 2020, mm. you know, right when the pandemic happened. And we both agreed in an instant to flee Manhattan the minute that Governor mm. Cuomo said, okay, we're going to shut down all of Broadway. Yep. We both recognized that that was an act of war against people and wow. that the, the, the wow. field was being prepared for, for, the population to be tenderized, you know, these sweeping top-down edicts, we both recognize them. And um, I guess what I'm saying is there was never a question that I had to keep reporting and telling the truth um, because we both recognized that getting my, you know, me getting kicked off of Twitter, never being, you know, employed again by CNN or whatever the cost would be was less painful and dangerous than letting our kids grow up in the world yeah. that we both saw was coming. So there, and I guess the other thing is I'm very lucky. I, you know, I believe in God, right. And I believe that God is watching, you know, what we're doing and that yeah. this is more than a material and a political uh, crisis uh, against humanity. It's, it's also a spiritual battle. So um, I do feel like I don't really have a choice because I, I see and more and more documentation emerges even after, you know, the book was published with these Pfizer documents that I have 3000 experts reviewing Hmm. and finding these massive harms against humanity, massive injuries, deaths, fetal deaths, strokes, neurological illnesses. And just yesterday I found the most shocking thing of all, which is that um, the, the lipid nanoparticles in the injections are liquid when they're frozen but solid at body temperature, which. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So catastrophic harms. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is whatever, you know, we may face, I do have an obligation to tell my fellow human beings, you know, what I know because lives are at stake. And, and that's like a core Jewish value. If you can save a human life, you have to save yeah. a human life. You really don't have a choice. So I, that's just a long way of saying, I, I don't think I, could behave any other way right now I and would, I have who supports me i wish more people um 
would take your position that it it really is something we have to do, not something we decide to do. And you're using a platform that you've built over a lifetime really to do that in a way that others can't. Why do you think it is with all of the evidence that you present in your book? And I was sent a digital copy of it and I spent some time working through it. Fascinating. Why, why is it with, I mean, that's not hidden, right? <laughs> you're a brilliant person, but anyone could find this information if they looked at it. A lot of people have. Why has, we'll say the left, I'll say the left and, and other people, but largely the left, as we would identify them, circled the wagons and said, we don't care. This is just too important. Um, well, you know, there's a chapter on the money flow uh, to media, which I, I mentioned. Um, and so basically, these oligarchs with China, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, in, in one case, using our own tax money, the CARES Act, have done a kind of brilliant thing, which is they have bought up all the media um, throughout Western Europe yeah. and North America, yeah. simply bought them up yeah. $55 million to the BBC, you know, uh, millions to NPR, PBS, The Guardian. Um, so, and, you know, CNN. Uh, so we're not even, we don't even have um, a news media that can avoid circling the wagons. Um, except a, f- a few independent news outlets like yeah, yours sure. and, and many of them are conservative and libertarian. Um, but also on the left, you know, I do go into this culturally. There, it does seem that that the left, the DNC and basically the, you know, the, the WEF slash, you know, big tech slash, yeah, sure. you know, China, machine that I right. described, sure. they did something really brilliant, which was they they uh, bombarded people like my mom, who lets me use her as the kind of model of a smart, <laughs> educated, right. you know, tolerant, sane person who's being, you know, kind of a bellwether of, of how people's minds are affected by this propaganda. You know, they, they bombard people 24-7 who watch CNN or read the New York Times mm. with propaganda and lies mm. just non-stop lies and they but they also did this genius thing of persuading like new york times readers that it's virtuous yeah, to right. wear a mask. it's virtuous to be injected it's virtuous to be boosted it's socially elevated to exclude the unvaccinated you know the unvaccinated are Republicans or they're insurrectionists or they're racists or, you know, they're dirty, they're going to infect you, which is classic propaganda from like the Nazi era and Mm. before all the way back to the middle ages. Um, But they, they get this drummed into them 24 seven and they're in a state of fear already um, because of the exaggeration of the threats that I describe in the book and the manipulation of numbers around COVID that I describe in the book. So when you're in a state of fear anyway, and you're get, getting kind of brainwashed 24-7, you do really create a kind of cult. Other other people call it a mass formation psychosis. Um, I think of it as something a little bit different, more like, um, I mean, there's truth to that. But I also see a lot of uh, what happens to abused women, you know, when they're constantly gaslit, detached from their friends, isolated, yep. um, frightened, Right. And, and they're just trying to comply, trying to comply. And then they stop believing that there's a world outside that they can yeah, escape. To. Sure. And and then they internalize the abuser. So that's that's what I see having happened on, on the left so that they. They can't absorb 
you know, peer reviewed information anymore. So many people have told me, and I've got a section of the book about this, that they're in a situation where they will send someone they love who's on the left or exposed to this material, peer reviewed documentation or primary source documentation. Yep. Facebook called my reports from the Pfizer documents released under court order misinformation. And I'm like, <laughs> dear Cheryl Sandberg, whom I know, yeah. how can you say this? It's right. the Pfizer internal documents right. released under right. court order. Right. But nonetheless, um, many people report that people on the left or in these um, communities ask them not to tell them. So that to me really says this is a thoroughgoing cult in which they're afraid of waking up because if they wake up to what's happening, they have to suffer the kind of social ostracism that I've suffered. Um, And they just don't, they don't want to know they're committed. They're in a, um, yeah, they're in a, a a community which is kind of engaged in a collective hallucination right now that they're committed to. And it feels like social media has really made it possible for that isolation to happen. I, I don't think it's always been that way. Would would you say this? the influence of social media is what has allowed the shutdowns and the rest of it to, to actually take place, the, the, the division that we're talking about? Well, definitely. I mean, I'm, a, I'm now a CEO of a successful tech company. And I absolutely point out that tech companies were in on this from the very start. Um, the COVID-19 response project, uh, you know, produced messaging about yeah. Yeah. COVID. You know, Bill and Melinda Gates invested in the vaccines, invested in the vaccine passports, produced messaging around, um, you know, COVID education and thus bought off the media to only take the money if they're reporting, you know, on right. these horrible right. threats that would not be horrible or as horrible as portrayed. And and again, lockdowns, right, which are completely never done before in Western history ever of the healthy and the sick. And I, I've got a chapter on this early on that points out that the only times anyone's ever restricted the movement of citizens are like North Korea and yeah. right. China right. and the, the Warsaw ghetto, yeah. right? But where, you know, free people, you have never had their movements restricted um, in, in all the waves of infectious diseases in all of our history, which are many times worse than what we've just lived through with, you know, cholera, right. typhus, right. smallpox, tuberculosis, and so on. So, so all of that being said, um, I think that people have to understand that tech was part of the policy that locked people in. And when you're locked in and you're not allowed to go to church and you're not allowed to go to school and you're not allowed to go to a bar, your neighborhood bar or, or, you know, bowling alley or restaurant and talk to your neighbors, tech, you know, tech and social media have a fantastic um, opportunity to present reality to you in any way they want. And they presented a reality that was much scarier than what was really happening or, or just wrong. And I unpick a lot of these stories in the bodies of others, you know, the, you know, Sturgis bike rally, you know, which was Mm. supposed to be so terrible turned out, we went to Sturgis. It was pretty much fine. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Their normal lives, you know, while my New York friends were cowering indoors thinking I was going to die if yeah. I just went to the yeah. country. You know, story after story, when you examine it, turned out not to be the way it was reported. But you wouldn't have found that out if you had right. lived 20 to, you know, 2020 to 2022 without, you know, being locked indoors, getting all your information yep. through social media, 
which dissolved human assembly, the policies dissolved human assembly, you, you would have had years a lot like 1980 to 1984 when I was in college in which there was a very serious epidemic, the HIV epidemic, yeah. very serious, deadly, you know, to many, many people, many, many people died. Much younger people died, right? right? The average age of deaths with COVID is 82, at wow. least in Massachusetts, yeah. right? These yeah. are people at the ends of their lives dying of COVID, right? They're, they were young, healthy people dying of HIV in the 80s. But because we weren't locked in and just being told about HIV 24-7 right. by right. media, a lot of other things happened to human beings between 1980 and 1984, right? We had, we had lives in addition yeah. Yep. to the HIV epidemic. Yep. We may have known people who died and that's really sad. And we have, may have changed our behavior to stay safe, stay safe. And that was, you know, necessary, but it was coming from our own choices. Right. The government right. wasn't locking up HIV positive people. It wasn't locking up healthy people and HIV positive people. It wasn't monitoring them so they wouldn't have sex with each other or, you know, making sure they had the right kind of sex with each other. You know, people were left as they should be in free societies to, make their own choices yeah. about the epidemic. And um, and that's what the world looked like, was a lot of other things happened in addition to that tragedy. Um, but we were not allowed to see the world for ourselves. Uh, and so social media constructed this misleading reality yep. and then we show people in the bodies of others that, social that the tech companies, um, by doing so, suppress the human advantage over digital technology. And are all of them, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, you know, Zoom, all of them are up 20 to 25 percent net revenue in the last two years. Are you um, optimistic about where we end up after all of this? Uh, you, you mentioned early earlier in our conversation, the hope is to get back to a pre-2020 America. Um, are you optimistic that that will happen? It feels like, and feelings are very deceptive, but it, it feels like people have woken up or awakened in, in ways uh, that they probably should have 10 years ago, and we might not be here, but but for the first time, they're really understanding what a tyrannical government looks like, what overreach is, how this impacts them personally, and not just someone they know over there. Uh, are you hopeful that we'll begin again to move the right direction? I mean, that really depends on us, um, Jeremy. You know, you said earlier that I have a big platform that I've built up over the last 45 years, and I always, or 35 <laughs> aging myself. Um, I always kind of jump in when people say that, because if we're going to get out of this, it's going to take everyone recognizing sure, that sure. everyone's an influencer sure. and everyone has huge influence over right. their communities and, and families and a huge responsibility. Um, you know, it, it varies day by day, you know, and, and that's again, where, and again, thank you for your service. That's where it's really helpful to be married to a, you know, a former soldier, sure. you know, because, I keep saying every day to Brian, my husband, honey, are we winning yet? And he says, you have to stop asking that question mm. because a battle is, this is a battle of a, of a generation in his view. And I agree with him. It's going to be yeah. 30 years, you know, the rest of our lifetimes. Right. We can, we're on the offense now and we're better organized now. And a huge a weapon peaceful weapon in our arsenal is the truth. Yep. And that's why yep. it's important when people are waking up. Like it's important that people might have seen through COVID enough so that they didn't jump at monkeypox and they have mm. to change the yeah. name of monkeypox, yeah. right? right? That's a right. good sign. Right. But um, 
but he, he did introduce a concept, which I think is valuable, which is he said, you're winning, you're winning battles when you make them burn their resources. Mm. And I do see that. Mm. I see that the bad guys thought they'd be further along by now. There's, there's, they're using up a lot of resources, paying their talking heads and bribing their officials and, and, you know, paying their lawyers. Um, as we file lawsuits and expose their talking heads and expose the conflicts of interest. So that's good. But I guess I can't stress enough how much at this point it's going to take mass noncompliance to keep the tyrants yep. from winning yep. and not, not just a handful of people. Like the leaders can be arrested tomorrow. We're still under a state of emergency right. in America, which right. a lot of people don't know. It was extended in an open-ended way in April by our, you know, totally hostage China president, whom I'm embarrassed to say I voted for. Um, and at a state level, I think there are about 28 states that are still under emergency law, like New York State, where I live. And that means that tomorrow they could say, oh, quarantine for Naomi, quarantine for Jeremy. Sure, you know, sure. I'm going to take you away now. And you can't get out without a court order. Um, so I think there has to be a rebirth of freedom. You know, a, a, I don't want to say militant, a ferocious sure. rebirth of freedom yeah. in the hearts of everyone in America. I think the second amendment is super important. Mm. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I can't um, believe you're saying it either, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I bought a 22. I'm learning yeah. to shoot it. Yeah. I'm the daughter of hippies, you know, yeah. I never thought. Um, but I also think that after America re-secures its constitution, we're going to have to once again, liberate Canada and Australia and Western Europe, yeah. you know, just like we did in the forties. That's good. Um, man, so much we could continue to talk about, or I could continue to ask questions. Uh, I, I'm very thankful for your, your perspective and uh, just your outlook on all of it. Very insightful. Where can people follow your work? Certainly get your new book, but, uh, follow your work. And uh, again, you're, you're around if people want to find that, but where would you point them to? Thank you. Well, it's, yeah, thank you for asking because Amazon is playing all kinds of games to suppress this book because this book exposes Amazon's role in the pandemic policy uh, and revenues. So you can try to order it from Amazon, but they might tell you you have limited uh, copies you're allowed or that they don't deliver to you, even though they've always delivered to you. If that happens, please go to allseasonspress.com and you'll get it directly or dailyclout.io alibris.com or barnesandnoble.com. And please do spread the word because the censorship is um, pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a giant bestseller, but the New York Times is, you know, unmathematically keeping it from the bestseller. <laughs> they, they won't acknowledge it. It's funny you say that about Amazon. I went on Amazon this morning to, to order a copy. Uh, I have the digital copy, but and I couldn't find it. I did find it, but it took a lot of work using your name and then the name of the book. And then different order, but eventually it came up, but it took me a while. So uh, definitely there's something going on there. Thank you. for, And also you can order it. People who don't want to spend money on it, you can order it from your library, um, you know, or get it from your local bookstore also. Awesome. Dr. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate the conversation. I I do too. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. 
We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. What a fantastic conversation. I hope that you enjoyed that. Uh, Often I'll have conversations with folks and forget that this is a podcast interview. (laughs) I just want to continue to ask questions. Um, This was one of those. So thankful for that opportunity. I hope that you will go out and get the book. Find it. Uh, Don't let any kind of censorship or pushback keep you from finding it. Find it, support it, read it, share it with others, and uh, get this content out. Very important that we do that. We need to have the information, the right information, so that we can go and then take the right positions and encourage others to do the same. Uh, Thankful for Dr. Wolf and for her ability to articulate so clearly these very, very important issues. If more people (laughs) are more reasonable and we're willing to have conversations with people um, with whom they probably don't agree on 100% of what's happening in the world, uh, we would certainly be in a more civil society and one that can make good decisions. Thankful for that conversation. Hope that you are as well. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe right now. You're listening on some uh, podcast platform, whatever that is, go ahead and subscribe. That allows you to get this content as soon as it's pushed out three times a week, Monday, Wednesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, new episodes come out. We want you to have those and then take some time, go over to YouTube. You can find our channel there. Go to YouTube, look for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel. Subscribe to the channel, then hit the notification bell so that you're notified when new content comes online. And that would be fantastic. Uh, I will tell you, we've got a great archive of shows on YouTube uh, going back uh, over 100 episodes, uh, many more than 100 episodes. You'll find those there. Some of our episodes that you can listen to on audio or on the Salem Podcast Network, uh, you won't find on YouTube because YouTube, not always friendly to some of the conversations that we have. But most of our content is there, and uh, I'd encourage you to check that out, or you can go and watch the videos on SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A lot of opportunities for you to watch and listen to this content. Thank you for doing it. Share it with someone that needs it. This is one of those episodes. Someone in your life needs to hear this conversation. Share it out. And that would be fantastic. Look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.